0: Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Well, good morning, C4. It's a great day. It's Mother's Day, and this is my very first Mother's Day being a grandma. Just want to say, feels really good. They said it would be good, I can assure you it is good. Uh, I want to say hello to our friends in Port Perry and those of you up there in Bowmanville and anyone listening online, it's so glad to have you here. We're gonna be talking about work today. Has anybody worked this week? I heard heard the moan throughout the room, the moaning and the groaning. We're gonna be talking about work. So I sat down and I counted as much as I could recall all the jobs I've had in my life, okay? So I have a few years on some of you, so ready? 28 jobs that I could count. Babysitter, camp counselor, horseback riding instructor, lifeguard camp program director, garbage picker and parking lot cleaner, A&P cashier, food service, dishrooms, kitchen, serveries, catering, waitressing, Elam Lodge, snackery, church secretary and day camp director, office worker, girls home support worker, teacher for 21 years. Uh, various subjects, math, music, gifted ed, various grades in schools, choir director, director, producer, workshop specialist, curriculum writer and TV host, fundraiser for schools and organizations, executive director, consultant, speaker, author, pastor. They are just my paid jobs, my unpaid jobs, wife, mom, chauffeur, cook, cleaner, bottle washer, home manager, gardener, painter, decorator, disciplinarian, coach, cover book reader, encourager, counselor, friend, worship leader, nursery worker, VBS director, small group leader. Anybody tired already? Right? We work. We work a lot in our lives. We work jobs that we love, we work jobs we don't love so much. We work at jobs that we might like our pay, we work at jobs where we might not like our pay or get paid at all. How many jobs have you worked in your life? And I'm guessing like me, you had jobs you didn't like so much. So which one out of that list do you think I maybe didn't like so much? Did you pick up on it? Garbage picker and parking lot cleaner, like what is that about? Well you see, in my family it was a rite of passage. No, we weren't a garbage family, garbage collecting family, but my dad had properties, and every single one of us had the privilege of cleaning the parking lot. So it didn't matter. Uh, whether you had extracurriculars at school five days a week, you got on the city bus in Oshawa, you had to get up Simcoe Street to my dad's plazas and pick up garbage, sweep curbs, empty the garbage containers. I mean, can you imagine how humiliating that was for a teenage girl? You know, but that was the rite of passage in our family. We had a very strong work ethic, and there was a high value of work in our home and no job was too small. You know, your family upbringing actually influences your perspective on work, right? So you wonder, where did my dad get this strong work ethic from? Well, he was raised in Nova Scotia on a farm. So you know when you're a farmer, you're actually an entrepreneur. Right? My grandpa was a blacksmith. He was a farmer. He was a guide. He guided hunters and fishermen through the woods in in Nova Scotia. So my grandpa was gone, sometimes up to six months in the year as a guide. And my dad, at 11 and 12 years old, ran the family farm. So one day, while my dad, he's 12 years old, he's running the farm, a New Brunswick cattle farmer came into the little town of Kemptville, Nova Scotia, where my dad's, our family farm is still there today, and uh, he was looking for a dairy cow. Well, my dad had two milk cows, and one was really stubborn. Like, so stubborn. This thing, he said, you couldn't hardly milk it. It would kick over the bucket every time. It just drove my dad crazy. Well, my dad at 12 years old sold that cow to that New Brunswick cattle farmer. And grandpa comes home and he's like, didn't we have two milk cows? Now we, what happened to the other milk cow? And my dad at 12 years old had to tell him he sold the cow. Well, grandpa said, well, what'd you get for that cow? He said $175. Well, grandpa said that thing wasn't worth 50 bucks. So right there and then, what do you think happened in the psyche of my dad? I can make money, I can sell a deadbeat old milk cow to a New Brunswick cattle farmer, I can do anything. You see, just Uh, Work was a high value in our family, and from a young age, that's pretty much all that my dad did. You know what, it might be your family that influenced you, or it might be the generation you're born into. Every generation has its perspective on work. Let's start with the boomers. The boomers, born between 46 and 64. Here's the strengths of the boomers, hard workers, right? These, the workaholics, are primarily found in this age group, all right? They're great team players, they're loyal to organizations, but boomers don't like change so much. They're very competitive, they like their rewards, and work is often a means to an end. Here's what happened very much in the boomer era, is that faith and work were separate. Secular versus sacred was actually the view of work. I work in a regular secular job in order to support those perhaps doing more important things in the sacred realm. That was the mindset of the boomer. Then we go to Gen Xers, that's 65 to 76. Gen Xers actually juggled work and family a little better than the boomers. They are actually considered the biggest revenue generators overall. But the weaknesses of the Gen Xers is they're often not very happy with senior management. They like efficiency over perfection. You see, they just want to get the job done because they want to be home with their family. The Millennials, this amazing generation of Millennials, are the most independent workers. You see, Millennials are very concerned with ethics and with social responsibility in the organization, and Millennials have grown up sourcing their own information, and they need actually to be left alone to create. They figure out their own processes of doing work. They don't so much like to be told how to do it. The weaknesses of Millennials are they're not so much the greatest team players um, and they're very impatient towards career growth. Mill- you Millennials, you want that meaningful job right now, right? And you know because meaningful work is a high value for a Millennial. Faith and work and what you value and what you do is integrated into one as a millennial. The millennials are shaking their heads, right? Then we got the Gen Zers. So, this is the generation that's super tech savvy. They are multitaskers, they're natural entrepreneurs, and they're quick to adapt. I love hiring. This, this generation, because I, I need what they have. They are just so multitasking and tech savvy. The weakness is they may be more cynical than their predecessors, and a little bit more realistic about things, but they will work many, many jobs in their lifetime. Right, right, Gen Zedders? How many jobs have you guys had already? You'll probably double mine. But as Christians, Gen Zedders, faith and work, there are no barriers the more opportunity to make a difference is what a general values. So in this series, we're gonna consider, do you have a biblical view of work? Maybe you've been influenced by your family, which you have. You're influenced by the generation that you're born into. I wanna walk you through today and in the next couple of weeks into a biblical view of work. So how does God view work? Here's the two questions we're gonna address today. Does work matter to God? And secondly, can we find meaning in our work? Does work matter to God? Well, in the scriptures, there's over 850 verses that refer directly to work. And the scripture has a lot to say about work. They're in the storyline of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to walk you through a view, a biblical view of work, and we're gonna start in Genesis. Let's go back to the very beginning. You see, in the very beginning, Genesis 1:1, God is a worker and he enjoys his work. Look at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth And in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This word created is actually a verb that uniquely describes the work of God. God is a worker. He worked and created this world and us humans as well in his image. It says in chapter 2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And that word, work, is the same word that we use when we talk about work. It is that we have a a business, an occupation, and this is the same activity that humans do. Have you noticed that at the end of every day, seven days, seven times, what does God say about his work? It was good. You see, God not only is a worker, but he looks at his work and he considers it good. God delights in his work, not just in the product or the end result of you know, he creates this beautiful forest and says like, oh, that's a good forest. He actually every day paused and reflected on his work in the process of creating. You see, he found joy in the process. Sometimes in our work, we get so focused on the end result, we're not even enjoying the process of working. I, I got thinking about Moses in scripture, how he was the king of Egypt and then Brought so low to be really a farmer in the wilderness, and for many many years that was his assignment. He didn't know the burning bush was coming, but you see, in that time of working what would have appeared mundane and ordinary, in the process of being faithful to it, God, where God had placed him, he learned that work was preparing him for some, for the next thing. All your work is preparing you for the next thing. And it was prior to the burning bush experience for him. But we need to be faithful like Moses was found even in this mundane when Really, he had no idea if or when that season would end. One of my favorite jobs on my list of jobs was being a music teacher. I used to teach instrumental music. Now, just think about this, okay? You think teaching can be tough. Well, think of a classroom where you give every student a noisemaker and then you try to teach. That's being a music teacher. So, But what I found so rewarding was, they'd come into my class and they'd pick their instrument, they didn't know really which end to blow in, and within weeks, we went from this horrific, terrible, painful sound in the classroom to actually orderly notes and tuning of the instrument and then eventually we we're actually playing notes together at the same time and it was just amazing within weeks i i experienced the process of this painful beginning to this beautiful sound And you know, the process of teaching was so rewarding um, in that experience that I couldn't just focus. If I focused on the end result and expected them to be there day one, I would have quit very early on. You know, God doesn't waste a thing. What you're learning in the season that you're in is never insignificant, it's never mundane to to God. In fact, he always uses it for the next season. God wants us to enjoy our work. That actually reflects who we are because we're made in the image of God. And every day, we should be able to say, it's good. So let me recap for you, God is a worker. He enjoys his work. One day at a time, every day, he said it was good, and he made us in his likeness. So work is actually central to our identity as image bearers of God. To work is actually the first command that God gave humans. It says in Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then it says in chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now, we're made in the image of God, in his likeness. And I want you to notice, God didn't just say, good for you, I made you in my likeness. Now just put your feet up and enjoy this beautiful space that I've created you. Just chill out and contemplate the meaning of life. He actually said, now get to work. You see, verse 26, to have dominion literally means Man is to be a steward of the earth. We are to be managers of God's creation. It's a blessing from God that we get to work with him, take care of, and be caretakers of what he created. In verse 15, it says, to work it and take care of it. The same word in other versions says to tend and keep. Part of our identity and our purpose from the very beginning is to be workers and to work Work with God. One said it this way The opening narrative of Scripture points to the centrality of work, both divine and human. Work is not something we do on the side to support what really matters in life. Hmm. Work is essential to our created identity and purpose. That's the way God made us. And the world God created will only reach its full potential through the work of human beings. That's the way God made it. Wow. Work is not a side option to support what really matters. Time to pause? How many of you right now, that's how you view work? It's like this necessary evil in your life that you must endure to get to what really matters. Wait a minute, do we consider that work is actually a result of sin. We can already see that we were working before sin entered the world. But what happened when sin entered the world? Well, let's read Genesis three. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil or work, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. Work itself was not cursed in the fall. Rather, God cursed the ground as a result of sin, but not work. I want you to notice three ways that the curse affected work. First, work had been a joy, but now it would be toil. People would feel burdened down by it and even come to hate it. Secondly, thorns and thistles um, would hamper people's efforts to exercise dominion. In other words, the earth would not be as cooperative as it's been. I imagine before sin entered the world and the curse came that Adam and Eve had great joy in gardening, in tending the garden, in working with the animals, in caretaking God's creation. But after the fall and the curse, these thorns and thistles and the ground itself would have hardened and been difficult to work with. And thirdly, people would have to sweat to accomplish their task. Now, I hate sweating. Can I just say that? I really detest sweating. And yet, work would require enormous effort and energy. Some of you work at jobs that require a lot of sweat of your brow. You see, pre-fall, Adam and Eve worked the ground with no sweat, no labor. Pre-fall babies were still made in the same way, but ladies, no labor attached to childbirth. But after the curse, we still work, but labor, it's labor intensive. We still have babies after the fall, but it's painful and we labor in childbirth. You know, even after the fall, after the curse, we can still say that work is good, that work is of God, and that work is actually a gift of God. Let's look at Ecclesiastes. This is what I've observed to be good, that it's appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their work in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God's given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their work, in their toil. This is a gift of God. Is that the way you view your work? God is a worker. We're made to be workers too. God found joy in his work, and we are to find joy in our work, too. Work is part of our identity and our purpose, and work is a gift from God. Let's look in the New Testament at Jesus' example. We see in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, Jesus, all things were made— Without him, nothing was made that has been made. You see, the Word, who is Jesus Christ, was actively participating in creation from the very beginning. In fact, all things were made through Jesus. Jesus' role in creation was that of a worker. When Jesus himself and the incarnation comes to earth, he not only comes to earth to be our model, to exemplify in our lives how we are to live our lives, but he comes to redeem creation and his created beings back to himself. Let's look at his earthly life. Jesus, worked approximately 18 years of his life in an ordinary job. Uh, in Mark 6 refers to him as the carpenter. We know that his dad Joseph was a carpenter, and often we picture Jesus you know, building tables and chairs. Perhaps that's what it was, but a more accurate translation of the word carpenter is actually builder. Jesus could have worked with wood, he could have worked with stone or metal, and he was most likely an owner and manager of a small business that he would have inherited from his dad Joseph. Jesus' first career for 18 years of his life was manual labor or ordinary labor. labor. Why would God incarnate spend six times as long doing ordinary work? He only spent three years in public ministry. Well, apparently, God did not consider this a waste of time. It wasn't unimportant and it wasn't less than. Jesus says in John 4, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, Jesus worked, and he participated with his father in his work. From creation to the way that he lived on earth, he was a worker, not just to fill in time so that then he could do the real work of ministry, but as an expression of God himself. Jesus simply changed jobs. He went from a laborer A builder to a preacher and a teacher. Work truly matters to God. It's the way we participate in tending and caring and keeping and working with God. We're called actually to be a good steward of whatever we're given and wherever we're placed. Work is central to our identity as we reflect who God is and every single job that we do is an opportunity to represent our dad. Let me take you to Colossians 3. It says in verse 17, and whatever you do, let me say that again, whatever you do, whether in word or whether in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In verses 23 and 24, it repeats that phrase again. Whatever you do, whether you're picking up garbage in your dad's parking lots, whether you're teaching a child how to read, whether you're wiping noses or changing diapers, whether you're an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, a filmmaker, a book writer, whatever you do. Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are working for. It's the Lord Christ that you're serving. Whatever you do, I've worked in the home, I've worked in the marketplace, I've worked in ministry. Whatever I do, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you do something in someone's name, you're actually doing it on their behalf and you're representing them. As I picked up garbage in the parking lot, everyone knew that I was the landlord's daughter. There's the landlord's daughter out there, shoveling garbage, changing the garbage containers, picking up garbage. You see, I was doing it really in the name of my dad. I was representing my dad. I was reflecting the character of my dad that no job was too too, uh, below me that work was a good thing, that whatever we owned in our family, whether a lot or a little, we were to steward well. You were to be responsible. My dad taught us that value from picking up garbage. Did I always do it with a great attitude? I'm sure you could imagine this teenage girl out there just loving it, right? No, but you know what? I was paid 20 bucks a week to do that job. Now, you young people, before you think 20 bucks a week wasn't much, like you make 20 bucks an hour, that was in the 70s, okay? That was a lot of money that I made, and I tucked that money away to help me with my future education. So whether you teach, or you manage staff, or you sweep parking lots, or you're at home with ba- babies or toddlers, or Lord help you teenagers, or you're an accountant, or you're a salesperson, or you're changing diapers or you're a nurse or a doctor, writing films, making you know uh, books or cleaning houses, do everything, everything in the name of your dad. God doesn't waste anything. We reflect who our dad is as we are working. Our work is so closely connected to our identity that sometimes we have, I would say, distorted or twisted identities when it comes to work. What are the two questions that you ask when you meet someone? What's your name and what do you do, right? so closely connected with our identity. Often Christians struggle with this question because they're struggling with, does my work really matter to God? I'm just a fill in the blank. I'm just a carpenter. I'm just a sales clerk. If I was in full-time ministry, then my work would matter. In fact, then I would really have greater purpose is often in our psyche as believers. I believe the church has actually done a disservice by highlighting or raising up a small percentage of jobs that really matter. Missionary work, social justice work, race relations, or church leadership, what we refer to as ministry, what does this say to the 99% of Christians who are not professional pastors, evangelists, or activists? How do, you, how do they participate in meaningful work? This vocational hierarchy that somehow has been communicated and created, we often praise those who are in what we would call vocational or full-time ministry, and we don't give as much attention to those perhaps building roads. Working in the medical field, saving lives, managing stores, you know, raising students, feeding babies. Are we only a few of us in God's work? Should Christians all quit their marketplace jobs and just come and work at the church? You know, you'll feel a lot more valued in the eyes of God. No, all work matters to God. Let's take a little time out with this twisted identity issue. You know, we have identities in the work that it it distorts our perspective. I call it the ding and the dong, okay, this pendulum. Here's the ding we've already talked about, that work is evil. That is somehow bad, that it's this necessary evil that I must endure in my life. Well, if that is the ding, the dong is my work defines me. What I do is gives me value and gives me purpose. Well, you see, that's not neither one or a biblical view of work. Does your work actually define you? Are you so defined by what you do? This is actually more deeply rooted in your need for affirmation either from God or from others, without a paid job perhaps you don't feel quite as valuable. I remember in a transition I'd been teaching for a while and I was working for TV Ontario and I was out training other teachers and I loved what I was, had the privilege of doing and then I had babies and you know, I wanted to be home with my babies. I wanted, I wanted to be able to balance the work-life thing. And I remember being home in a season with—I had three babies in three years, so I was pretty busy. And I decided it maybe would be a good idea to take the neighborhood kids in, and maybe I'd babysit them, and you know, maybe I'd like run a school right there, you know? Well, I re- I realized one afternoon I was in my backyard and I was making $250 an hour. And I felt like 250 an hour, you know. Like I felt I was in this identity crisis of what is, bec- what have I become? Like I used to be somebody, and now I'm a just a mom at home with kids, you know. Like my identity. I went through this real seeking out of of value and self worth. Pastor John reminded us even last week that. Affirmation, no matter what season of life you're in or what you do or don't do, must come from knowing that you are loved and known by God, not in what you do for him or what you do for others. See, it's a real test when you leave a job, whether you leave a job out of you had no choice, the job left you, or whether you chose to leave a job. It's an identity crisis, isn't it? Who am I now without that title, without that role? It really tests where your identity is rooted in. So no pendulum swing people, no ding or dong. Work is bad or work defines me. We have to get a healthy view of of work. And so we go to the scriptures and find once again that work is central to our identity and our purpose as we represent and work for God. You see, you find your true identity as you work for him. Second Corinthians 5 tells us who we really are. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Uh, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us or brought us back to himself through Christ. And now he gives us our true job, the ministry of reconciliation, and he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his very appeal through us. We all as believers have the same identity, We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, an ambassador is a citizen of one country that goes and lives in another country, and their job is to build relations between the two countries, right? So as an ambassador, we are truly citizens of heaven, living on this earth and our role is to build relationships between people on earth directing them to God himself. The ministry and the message of reconciliation is our job, is our calling as ambassadors representing our dad on earth. We all have the same purpose but God strategically places you in the family he places you in and in the work settings he places you in strategically to represent him. See, whether your assignment or your station or your appointment or your duty or your particular workplace is in the marketplace, whether it's in the home or whether it's a ministry setting, every one of us have the same calling to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ in those particular assignments and settings that God gives us. And while we are in those places, we need to dress for success. Do you know how you dress for success as a believer? Well, you see, before you become an ambassador, you're wearing the cloak of sin that actually your identity is that you are far from God. But Jesus says, give me that cloak of sin, put it on me and I'm gonna redress you in my clothes of righteousness. And now as you go about your everyday life in the settings that he puts you in, you're wearing the clothes of Jesus. You're wearing the righteousness of Christ. You can wear your clothes anywhere he puts you. You can wear your clothes in any season that he puts you in, whether you're taking care of kids in the backyard, or you're preaching on a pulpit in a stage, or you're serving in a school or a marketplace setting. You are wearing the clothes of Christ. You are his ambassadors, and this is what gives you meaning in your work. You see, it's not as much about what we do as who we are, where we are. And whatever we do, Not only does your work matter, but who you are when you're working. Whatever we do, I believe that Christians need to be the best workers out there. I believe that as Christians, when we represent and wear the clothes of Christ in our settings, that people need to go, man, there's something different about them. How is your reputation at work? Are you known as a lazy, worker? Are you known as uncooperative? Are you known as unreliable or one that shifts blame or is half-hearted about their work? You see, that's not wearing the clothes of Christ. Our reputation as Christians, we should be known as the hardest workers, the most reliable, the best team players, the ones that go in to not be the problem but solve the problem, the one that take responsibility. That should be our reputation as believers. How are you representing your dad? So who are the people that God has put in your care where he's placed you? Are, is it the children you're with? Is it your employees, your clients, your students, your church members, the community? Different seasons of work will connect you with different people. I love actually that I've got to work with little ones I got to work with like bigger ones and now my primary job is you know the older ones like I I work with adults and mature people for the most part and you know what I love that God has placed me in seasons of my life where I've got to work with all ages and stages doesn't matter if I've been in the marketplace doesn't matter if I've worked in the home doesn't matter if I worked in ministry that each one of those jobs are opportunities to to uh, represent my Heavenly Father serve the people well Represent Jesus well. You know God rewards our work. All work matters to God so much that he actually rewards it. Ephesians 6 says it like this, he's referring to your boss, obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord, he'll reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free, whether you're the employee or the boss. You know, we don't just work for the approval of our bosses or rewards, although, don't miss that, if you work wholeheartedly, you will gain the approval of your boss. You will gain the approval both of God and people, but work as if they weren't watching. You know what, that thankless job you're doing right now that nobody's noticing, God sees it. You home changing diapers, you doing the hard season of being a mom, God sees it. Are you at the top of your career and in charge of many people? God sees it. Do it for him. He will reward you for whatever good you do. So let me remind you, God is a worker. We're to be workers too. God loved his work, it was good and we can love and have joy in our work too. Work is actually a gift from God. Work is central to our identity and our purpose as image bearers of God, and work allows us to be ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, which gives us meaning and purpose. Well, if you thought that Genesis began with work, guess what happens in Revelation? We actually work in heaven. Work is not something that is just part of this earth. It started in Genesis and it will end in heaven. It will continue in heaven. In Revelation 22, it says, and there shall be no more curse, no more curse, no more labor, no more burdensomeness, but the throne of God and the lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. We will work in heaven. We have a job in heaven, and do you know that right now you're in dress rehearsal? You are in dress rehearsal and your assignment on earth is preparing you for your assignment in heaven. I wonder what I'll get to do in heaven. Will I be the garbage picker? I don't know. One summer, we went back to Nova Scotia. It was a really, really hot day. It was like 80 degrees. And when you're in Nova Scotia, there's a lot of humidity in the air, so it's a really you know, sweaty, hot 80 degrees. And we were at the farm, and my dad decided maybe it would be good to take us kids to the ocean and get the cool breeze of the ocean out by the Yarmouth light there. And we couldn't find grandpa anywhere. We're like, where's grandpa, you know? And my dad went out, and sure enough, he finds my then pretty old grandpa out in the strawberry patch, out in the strawberry field, weeding strawberries. My dad's like, Dad, like, what are you doing out here? And of course, my grandpa's dressed in the clothes he wore every day of his life. He had his long undershirt and long underwear on and with his flannel shirt and his suspenders and farmer pants, you know, because that's what you wear. And in the 80 plus degree temperature, he looked up at my dad with this little glint in his eye and he said, you know, work is a beautiful thing. Work is a beautiful thing. Well, my dad is 83. He's having some struggles in his health and we were actually in the hospital this week again with my dad, but you know, I know where my dad will be on Monday morning, <laughs> right or wrong, my dad will be in, the, in his office. Because to my dad, work is a beautiful thing. You know, work is not just what you do in life. It's the way that you represent your dad. It's not just something that you do out of duty or out of drudgery. It's the essence of who you are. And we're asked to do it in a way that represents our dad's will. Does work matter to God? It sure does. All work matters to God. It's actually a reflection of who He is from the very beginning to eternity. Can you find meaning in your work? Yes, you can. Even in the most difficult seasons of work, if you do it as unto the Lord, if you do it as His representative, as His ambassador, you will find joy. You will find meaning in your work. And you know what? Your Heavenly Father will look at you and say, well done. Let me pray for you. Well, Father, thank you for teaching us what it means to work and to have joy in our work. We want to be like you. We want to represent you well. Thank you that, that work is a beautiful thing. That in our work, no matter what season we're in, no matter what position or place that you put us, we can do it to honor you, to glorify you, to represent you. So, would you help us today surrender our distorted views of work, perhaps our bitter attitudes, our negative view, and would you replace them with your view of work? Would you? increase joy across our church community and those listening. Would we find joy in work? Would we wear the clothes of the Lord Jesus Christ and represent him so well? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today we're going to celebrate communion. And as I was thinking about communion, I was so struck that communion actually reflects the finished work of Christ, that actually communion is a picture of the work that Christ was sent to this earth to complete, the job that his father sent him to earth for, to give us the forgiveness of our sins and the work of reconciliation to make us right with God. And as we take the wine, we're remembering the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ because scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So we take the the cup today and we remember the finished work of Christ in his shed blood that we can have forgiveness of sins, that we can be reconciled, made right with God. And then as we take the bread and its brokenness, we're reminded that Jesus broke his body on our behalf, that he was broken for us, that we should have suffered that punishment, but he took it on himself. And not only does he reconcile us back to himself, but he gives us the beautiful ministry of reconciliation. Would you wear the clothes of the Lord Jesus and his righteousness? Would you worship the Lord Jesus as you remember his good work today through communion? If you're not a follower of the Lord Jesus, then we just ask you to pass the elements because this is a a picture and a reminder for those of us who have chosen to follow Christ and put our faith in his death and his resurrection. And if you're a Christian who's in rebellion, don't take this and until you've made things right with God or perhaps someone else. But, you know, it's a good place to repent of your sin. Scripture says if we repent of our sin, he's faithful, he's just, and he forgives us of our sin. Maybe you need to make a, take a moment today to repent of your wrong attitude or your perspective on work in your life and you ask God for his forgiveness. So the final words of our Lord Jesus Christ was, it is finished. The work is complete, and it is good. His work is a beautiful thing. Praise God. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.